Welcome to the Ownership Mindset Podcast, where we talk about the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship. There are so many ways we are being told to think what's right, what's wrong, what to buy, who to follow, and more than ever, we're seeing how a set formula doesn't always work. I'm passionate about women in all industries seeing themselves as powerful, confident entrepreneurs with no ceiling, and I want it to become contagious. Each episode, you'll be hearing from a business owner or industry thought leader who will be sharing how they think as they lead. We can read all the books, take a course, go to school, but there's something about hearing other people's stories that give us strength and courage. Ownership can be a lonely place. So join me as we listen to other women's stories and find community. Welcome to this episode of the Ownership Mindset Podcast. This was recorded and aired on my friend Kristen's podcast, Dangerous Creatives, and it is a conversation around chronic illness and being an entrepreneur. And I have been dealing with chronic illness um, for a large portion of my life. The longest standing issue has been with a diagnosis of endometriosis that I got at the age of 14. And last week I experienced my fifth surgery within, um, the last year and a half dealing with residual effects of the disease on my body. And so I thought it was a good time to share what, um, this has looked like in entrepreneurship. It has not been a fun ride, but it has taught me so much about listening to my body intuition and making decisions for people that I wouldn't have known how to make. I wouldn't have known how to give compassion and structure in the ways that I do now. So I hope that this resonates with you. And if you know anyone who's an entrepreneur that's dealing with chronic illness, I hope you share it because there's a lot of people that need to be seen in this space. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, and I'm so excited to be talking with my friend, Lauren Gish, today. And we are talking about stress and chronic illness and lots of fun personal experiences as it comes to business and managing health issues and readjusting expectations and all of those things. So we both have some experience with this. It's one of those clubs that we didn't really want to be part of, but now we're part of it. So let's talk about it. Lauren, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to dig into this much needed combo. So same. Well, and I wanted to say before we get started, neither one of us is a doctor. Neither one of us is telling anyone what to do with their health. These are just our own personal experiences how it's affected our businesses, how we've made adjustments, all of that. So take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Lauren, will you introduce yourself really fast and tell us a little bit about you and your business and where you're based and all of that? Yeah. So my name is Lauren Gish. I'm in Nashville. Nashville's been home for me for 11 years this year, which is crazy. And I own a business in Nashville. I actually own a salon and I have a team there. And then I also have my own business called the Ownership Mindset. And so I work with people mostly in beauty, health, and wellness, kind of on their mindset around their business, profitability, and organization. So just, you know, multiple things going on over here. Yeah. Lauren has a really kick-ass salon here in town and it's cool to see you helping other salon business owners and other people with, with brick and mortar businesses. It's, it's super cool. Oh, it's yeah. It's fun. It's my favorite. I like to be like, here's how your, you affect your team and here's how to not be their ceiling. And that's some of my favorite stuff to do. So amazing. Well, all right, let's hear the other introduction of what has stress, chronic illness, what's your story with health things and how that's affected your business? I mean, I could go like back to birth if you want me to. (laughs) 
how far back? <laughs> uh, how far back do you want me to go? I was always just kind of a sick kid. I had to have sinus surgery at six, and then I had to have another surgery at eight. And then in high school, I woke up one day and like couldn't walk and couldn't pee and went to the doctor and they were like, you either have like a very young case of like a rare ovarian cancer, or we think you might have endometriosis. And so I had surgery and was diagnosed with endometriosis 20 years ago. Oh my and gosh. So Wait, how old were you? I was, it was like right before my 15th birthday. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Yeah. That's so young. Yeah. So I started getting treatment at like 14 and I would have like a few good years and then a few really rough years and then a few good years and a few really rough years. So it started getting bad with work probably when I was 19 was when it really started. I started seeing it affect my work and my like starting my career and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did it affect your decision at all to run your own business? Like, was it out of necessity that you had to start your own thing to create flexibility or was more like, this is how it is. I got to do something. Mm -hmm. I started having some really intense issues. Let's see, like four years ago. And I saw like, I was, I've done like so many different things, but I was still seeing like actual hair clients like twice a week. And I was in so much pain actually had a hysterectomy in 2019. And so right around when I had my, my hysterectomy, I actually was starting to do like more and more consulting. Like it was turning into people like people had been asking me for like coffee and like tips and like to share my spreadsheets and like all that kind of stuff. And one of my friends sat me down and was like, listen, you need to do this. And so I started doing it, not intending to stop like working in my business to some capacity. And then by like, 18 months later, I was told that like, I really shouldn't be doing it anymore. And so I had already started doing consulting before that. So for what was a fun side supplemental project became like a necessity for me to have to do. So. And your yeah. story, I mean, your story, it has so many similar parts to some of what I've experienced, but it's also just reinforces the reason why I'm so passionate about helping people have multiple streams of income because mm -hmm. you just do not know what is coming down the road for you. Mm -mm. And having already started that side of consulting, I mean, I know it was probably heartbreaking when then a doctor was like, you can't keep seeing hair clients, but mm -hmm. also to have that other option in your business that you were loving. I'm sure oh, yeah. some of that stress. Well, and it was an interesting time too, because like all I wanted was to be done. I like wouldn't make the decision on my own because I felt so much shame around like just what was happening with my body. And like, I felt like I was being disloyal and I had already was like such a burden. Like there's so many areas of where it was like, so I had so much anxiety and so much shame because of like the pain and stuff and the illness. And so it was almost this like relief when my doctor kind of like told me what I had to do. And he was like, I mean, we can, if you really love it, like I can, you know, there's a lot of stuff we can do. It was like heavy treatment and stuff and like mm. all these injections, but essentially like numbed me from the waist down. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I have other things I want to do with my life. Like we're good. It's fine. Yeah. So like, I'll make some adjustments here at home and in my business instead yeah. of these extreme medical procedures. Yeah. No, thanks. No, I wasn't going to do that anymore to my body. So, so kind of in the, those years with the stress and with working through managing pain, what was it like to not have the option to just stay in bed? Cause I think this is the other thing that people don't realize when you're running your own business, like you don't get to take sick leave. A lot of times we don't have like short-term disability insurance as a self-employed person. Mm -hmm. You have clients you've committed to. I've like shot so many weddings while I have the flu or something, you know, that was pre-COVID. Would not shoot a wedding with COVID, but like I, where I just showed up because I had to, you know, yeah. like 
what was that like? And did it make anything challenging with managing a team or running a business at that time? Oh yeah. And I like, so there was a point when I partnered in the business where like, I like other people's income relied on me. And so I had to produce, like I had to pay people and I didn't want to lose them. And it was also a time where like, I was rebuilding a team with my business partner and we were in a huge transition. So like I had to be physically present a lot. It wasn't something like I was like educating people and like putting systems in place and onboarding people all the time. And it wasn't like I could do that online. And so what my days started to look like, I was in so much pain. So I was just like taking multiple ibuprofen every couple of hours. I didn't know that endometriosis had taken over part of my intestines. And so I was having like chronic GI problems that kept getting blown off. Like I was not being cared for by my doctor in a way that I should have been, but I was so tired of like advocating for myself. I just kind of was like, I guess I have like really bad IBS or something. So I would like take like three Imodium and like three ibuprofen. drink some water, drink a coffee and like go to work and wear like a hot pack on my stomach and a hot pack on my back and like hope I wouldn't like hemorrhage my way through the day. And that was like half of my month, probably every month. And then like really intense, like sometimes I would just have an assistant, like do some of my work for me. And I would just like bend over on the floor in my back room. Like it just depended where we were at. Right. And then some days it was so bad. I couldn't go in, but one of the things like that happened during that time was I remember one of my team members being like, besides, I mean, a few days of me like bending over in the back, she's like, you would just never know. Like, you would just never know you're like dealing with any of this. I think she meant it as like a compliment, like you're so good at keeping it together. And I was like, like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Why am I like not being vulnerable, like not telling people where I'm really at? And like putting all this pressure on myself because it got like wild. It got really, really crazy. And then I did have to take a couple months off. Like I pushed myself so hard and I had a ton of like weird shame around that too, of being like, but I'm not there. And like, I've worked hard and like, I'm not there producing income to like take care of everybody, you know? So it's a lot. We're we're so hard on ourselves, especially when we're going through things. I feel like if you've built a business or you're used to being really independent, it can be hard to let go or make adjustments and be like, my physical body is not doing well with this. I need to change something because I think we just, we think we're supposed to power through. And a lot of times powering through health things just does not work. It makes it worse. Right. Right. Well, and there was this piece of me being like, I don't have a choice. And so what looking back, I'm like, there were certain times I shouldn't have powered through, but I think it's what helped me survive it. Like I was so disassociated from the pain in my body that like, until it laid me out, like took me down, I didn't know how bad it was. Now in retrospect, I was like, I can't believe I lived like that for so long, but I just did, you know? Yeah. Well, my autoimmune thing popped up in I think it was 2010, and I was working at a church at the time. So I was like working in a nonprofit, and it was very emotionally draining, I think would probably be the stressful part. And I was still in college. There was like a lot of things going on. I had, I was trying to be all the adult things married. I was 20. I was doing this job that I shouldn't have been a lot older to be doing, I think. And I, I got so sick and I I like I couldn't stay awake. I would fall asleep on the couch and then I wouldn't be able to sleep at night and just exhausted, exhausted. Um, I had these weird panic attacks and almost like focal panic attacks too. Like when I was driving, I would I start kind of freaking out. Like it would like you'd see something, it would like activate you kind of thing. Yeah, where I'd start seeing kind of spots in my vision. Oh I had myself convinced. I know I had myself convinced I had all these really, really horrible things, but I um, ended up finding someone who tested me for some different autoimmune diseases and I had, or I have Hashimoto's, which is like a thyroid autoimmune disease. And then I had adrenal fatigue and all these things. So, you know, all of those things 
play together, kind of like work with each other and fight and make each other really mad. And the doctor was like, well, you have to do all these lifestyle adjustments. And so did a ton of supplements, went gluten-free, all these things to try to like manage whatever it was. And that was, I feel like that was a big part of why I quit my job and ended up being freelance because I could set my own schedule. I could work for myself. I could pick and choose what I wanted to take on as far as photography and, you know, thought that it would be way less stressful than the job that I had, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you all know, if you're listening to this and you run a business, it's like you definitely find and create stress in different ways. And if you're not working a ton, you're stressed because you're not working a ton. And if you are working a ton, you're stressed because you are working a ton. So yeah, I would say like it did help my day to day of like, I wasn't getting up super early and driving through rush hour and doing kind of daily stressful things, but it had a different, a different stress and responsibility that came with like maintaining a certain level of finances or providing for my family or, you know, the feast and famine cycles of business. So I ended up experiencing that same kind of stress cycle with my autoimmune disease for like years. I know endometriosis is so different than autoimmune diseases. Does stress affect yours? Like, does it make it worse when you're stressed or is it kind of all the time, no matter what? I mean, it's all the time, no matter what it is an autoimmune disease. And I have a few other things. I have asthma. I have like some issues with my bladder that are all kind of autoimmune. And so, but stress is definitely inflammatory because it like affects your body's response to pain, right? And so like the more stressed I am, the tighter everything has been. And like, I've had to do so much like physical therapy and therapy around even noticing when I'm stressed so that my body doesn't get in pain. Like I I didn't know anything was happening until all of a sudden I was like, why am I in so much pain? What's going on? So I did not, I did not realize until the other day what endometriosis is. Can you explain what it is real fast? Yeah. So it's, most people think it's just like bad periods and they're like, oh, you just have bad cramps. Like how many times I've had people be like so ridiculous. Yeah. Past, past employers, like doctors. I've got many stories, but. Oh, you have lady problems (laughs) here like birth control will help you it'll be fine um so endometriosis is endometrial tissue that can really grow anywhere within your abdominal cavity and so I've had like multiple cysts that have like been all different sizes and sometimes what will happen is you'll get a cyst with like endometrial tissue in it and it'll burst and like then attach everywhere inside and so not only will it like grab on to other parts of your body, like organs. I mean, endometrial tissue is, is what's in your uterus, like what causes contractions and periods. And yeah, it's like what you shed, you know, like every month. But what happens is, is that that tissue is still doing its job during your cycle. So it'll attach to other parts of your body and then it'll still bleed. So you'll have like, people will call it like endo belly. So like even in the middle of, you know, like depending on where you are in the month, like your stomach will blow out because you're actually like inflamed and internally bleeding and your body's having to reabsorb it. So there were different, depending on where I was in the month, like I would look like four months pregnant for like two weeks at a time. I think and that's it was, the part I didn't understand. That's like you're having a period inside your body in all these places that it shouldn't be and cramping mm-hmm. in all these places you shouldn't be. That's extremely yeah. painful. I can only imagine. Yeah. And it's like then, you know, on some of my organs, been known to like, it can go around your heart. It can go around your liver. Like it can attach to like your kidneys or your bladder. So like, it just depends on like what type you have, but it's not bad periods. I mean, that's a part of it, but I don't have my ovaries or my uterus anymore. And it's still a problem for me. So it's it's a crazy thing. We're learning a lot more about it now. So this is a little bit of a sidestep, but I think it still applies. Did you have employers or people, clients or people that you worked with or doctors 
who made you feel like you should just get over this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've had employers criticize me for taking time off and not believing me. So I've dealt with that. And then I've had people be like, like my boss, when I was like my first job, she was just like, I've come to work with food poisoning. Like you can figure it out. You need to be here. And then I had a doctor a couple of years ago before my hysterectomy, I knew something was really, really, really wrong with me. I was like dropping a ton of weight and like, just had, like I was going to the ER because I was like bleeding so much and stuff. And she just was like, I don't want to do any surgery on you. Like, I just want you to try Marina, which is like an IUD. And I was like, it's not working. Something's really, really wrong with me. And she just wouldn't treat me. She was like, well, we'll just kind of have to see where you go from here. Like watch your next few periods. And then when I went in, I went to another doctor and like lost one of my fallopian tubes and had to have, like, I found my intestines were like covered in endometrial tissue. And then I've had clients when I was doing hair be like rude about it. And then even when I stepped away, there's (laughs) one woman who was like talking to my employees and was like, well, she has to stand all day to live her life anyway. Like, why can't she still be here? I just don't understand, you know? And I was like, I shouldn't have to tell you like, why do you, if you, I can get real graphic. Like, I don't, you want to see my life? I have pictures. Like, do you want to see my insides? Oh my like, I don't know what, it's just like really interesting what people have said to me and continue to say, like, it's just, it always catches me off guard. I think anyone that's dealt with any kind of medical issue, especially women in this country, in this medical system have understood what it feels like to not be believed or to like, oh, you look fine. So Mm -hmm. you should get over it. Or I feel like everyone acts that way. And then also we internalize it too and put these extreme pressures on ourselves to continue to perform while you're trying to manage your health issues as well. Oh yeah. And like, I think, I mean, I don't know how to say it other than like, I was so disassociated from my own pain that my pain tolerance was so high. So I would be like talking at a normal level. Like I was at work one day and I needed someone to take me to the ER and I waited for my business partner to finish working with her client. And she came in the office and I was like, um, I kind of passed out. Like I have been hemorrhaging for hours. Can you just, would you mind driving me to the ER right now? And she was like, what is wrong with you? Like, cause I just was like this. And she's like, you are gray. Like you look like you're going to pass out. Like you are not okay. And she like took me to the hospital right away. But I had just, I was like, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. And like, if maybe it's not really that bad. I felt bad earlier. Maybe I'm feeling better, you know, like, and I just, I've gone through that a lot of just not really like not knowing till it was over. Cause I'm so used to being in pain anyway, where I'm like, Oh, I guess that was a bad one, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and feeling like an inconvenience to people around me. So totally. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that fear. I feel like it's gotten better as, at least for me, as I've gotten older and speaking up sooner, Mm -hmm. like I'm actually not good or actually do need to reschedule this and I can't just power through this. What are some adjustments that you have made both in your own expectations? Like how do you communicate it? Because you run a very successful business, two very successful businesses how do you make adjustments to allow for yourself to be human, to be experiencing this very severe chronic illness and still perform in your business to the level that you do? What Mm -hmm. what have you been able to do to set yourself up for success there? So for a while I would be like, Oh, I'm having this major thing happen. So I'll like go to therapy for a little bit. And so now I've made therapy like a regular part of my life. If I'm not, I'm there like every other week, if not every week and just prioritizing it. I'm like, this is something I have to do. And so one of the things I've like worked through the most in the last year is like being a burden to people. And so it was like, if I cancel on people, if I'm, I'm a burden, if I talk about this, I'm a burden, I'm a burden financially, I'm, you know, like all of these things. And so what I've been able to do through that work is 
like I'm not having a hard time canceling stuff anymore. Like if I need to, like I'm canceling it or I'm like canceling a call and I'm making sure that like whatever I need to do, like if I need to take a hot bath, I'm doing it. If I'm going to bed early, like I'm getting better at communicating with my partner and my kids. I'm just being like, I can't be there for you right now. And then with work, I've really scaled back. So I'm only in my, in my business like two days a week. You know, some weeks are more demanding and I might need to step in, but I went from being there like every single day to being like, this is all I can do. Everything else I can do remote. And I just have to believe in the systems I've put in place. And like, I've had to choose to empower other people. Like if I wanted to micromanage and like get super in there, like, and I still think there's things I can work on for sure in that area, but it's forced me to have to be like, how can I believe in other people? Like how much of this is self-induced? And so it's little things all the time. I feel like every time I'm like, oh, I can, you know, I'm managing this. Like I'm taking great breaks. Something comes up where I'm like, oh, I need to actually do more. Yeah. Because you've done such a good job of building a team so that you can step away. Um, you know, so many people I think are afraid to build teams, are afraid to build systems, are sending every single email and writing it out themselves each time instead of creating something that's going to live past them or live, you know, when you have to take a sick day, that there's other things in place, other people in place where it can keep moving. And I think especially, you know, when we're young and we're excited about our businesses, we're like, I can do everything. And then maybe life starts happening and you realize I need teams. I need systems. I need a way to communicate what to do if something goes wrong. I need to set expectations for my clients that, hey, like I might need to reschedule and here's what will happen if, if we do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's something that my dealing with my illness has been like pivotal in my career because it's forced me to create those things. And so it was something that I was like, oh, I can harness this and I can use it. And it's now really like all of those things I've learned from being in bed, like all the time that I've had to spend like post major surgeries and like all of this stuff or restriction, like there were things I was creating and doing that are now the foundation of my like consulting that I do. And while that was all like, terrible and shitty now I'm like oh like I I've created these systems that allow me so much margin and everyone else can too to be like even if you love to work like I love to work I love to be with people like it's so fun for me but if I can't I need to be like you know here's what we decided go do it you know the system so yeah totally I mean that's challenging for me and I've learned so much just in our conversations of how to set things up so that that things are better. And and it's interesting too, some of those times where my capacity was so reduced, times where I wasn't feeling as well, because for the most part, I don't really struggle with daily symptoms anymore at this point. But when I was dealing with them, it forced me to figure out how to run a ship like on a much more reduced capacity. And so mm-hmm. I, I figured out how to do the same amount of work, make the same amount of money on less, with less energy, less time, less clients. And then that created the space to then start a different business or another business or do this other thing or homeschool Hudson when COVID happened. It's just interesting how, how like those skills become really important too. And I know if I had another challenging situation come up, I would know how to, you know, go back to that. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just interesting how like, I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot, but there's been different things in our lives that have become then the foundation of things that we give away or at a part of business. And it's just like, I think when you've been through it or been through something that's so much, it's just so much easier to help other people be like, you actually can't like, you can make that much in that amount of time and it's fine. And maybe one day you'll like, it might feel you know, like you want to do it now, but maybe one day you won't or you can't. And so like, 
I do love that. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think you like have to go through all of that to have a good business, but I do. I love that. There's just a different type of skill and a different conversation you're having with people when you can relate to those things. So. Totally. So how do you show up in your business now? What do you kind of view your role as and how much of your time is spent there versus how much of your time is spent on your health and on healing? Um, So I would say right now, like with my team, I'm there usually two days a week, sometimes three. Um, And a lot of those days right now, I've had to do some pretty intensive, like physical therapy and like rehab stuff. And then I've had like a couple of different procedures for some treatment I've been doing the last year. And so I've had to show like show up when I can. And I feel like a conductor, like that's what I can relate it to is I'm like, everyone has their music and their instruments. And I'm just like keeping time. And sometimes I'm keeping time from far away with my like project management system. But I'm just like, right now, I just feel like I'm like overseeing operations and creative direction. And then just conducting, right? And being like, where else can someone be treated like an adult instead of me having to do this? Or where else can this be a system instead of them having to like hear me talk more, you know? So that's what that looks like now. Yeah. And then your second business is more of a solo business. Your consulting Mm -hmm. business is just you. It is. How do you set boundaries and expectations for that business so that you still have space for healing and for rest? So I, um, I've really started working with people in like 2019 and I would give so much. And I mean, part of it was, I was still on this learning curve of how to work really one-on-one inside someone's business rather than work with a team. But I've just started giving less and seeing where people need more margin and space, just like I do. And being like, they actually need the time to process that. So I don't need to feel the pressure to handhold. Like they need some time. And then I'm doing less meetings with them over a longer period of time. So I was trying to compress a lot of stuff into two months and now it's like three to four months and everything's spread out. And it's helped them process the information better it gives me a lot more margin and I just feel like it's been like more effective. And then if I do have something come up, like I know in June I have to have surgery again. And so I have enough margin and space between all of my communication that I don't feel the pressure of being like, I have these calls every week. And so I better like schedule all my health stuff around, you know, all of that. I can be like, that's just a week. We're not going to have a call. And I'll have, they'll have limited, I'll be like, I'm offline for four days or whatever. And it just is what it is. And so it's been, the more I take pressure off myself, the easier it is to manage that stuff. And no one knows any better, you know, like they know what I tell them when we're onboarding. So it's just, if I, I just don't have to say it, you know, like I'll be like, oh, if we do a bonus call, it's a bonus call. But really we just do calls every other week, you know? So I love that you said that because in working with a lot of women with a lot of different careers, uh, one of the things that tends to be a common thread is I think we're, we're all so intent on making sure we do a good job Mm, that mm -hmm. we over schedule things. We, you know, over deliver, but that's not always a good thing. Because a lot of times people need that space in whatever you're providing to really let it sink in, to have time to process it. And if someone's overwhelmed, they absorb nothing. Oh, yeah. So so that is like the last thing you want to do. And yet everyone that I work with, including myself, is like, more, more, more. Let me give you all these things because we want so badly to do a good job to have people like us, to make sure people get value out of what we're providing, that we end up creating that stressful environment for ourselves. And then if you have any kind of health issue or stress issue or anxiety, depression, you're just creating this like 
wind tunnel for yourself and for the people you're working with. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, the question I've had to continuously ask myself is like, is this for them or is this for me? Like, do I feel anxious? So I'm creating this life for myself. That's I feel like has to happen, but it's causing me more anxiety. And I mean, I've just had to really be like that going back to like, they don't know the difference. They only know the value they're walking away with. And so however I say it is and how I want to live it is what it's going to be. And they can come with me on that journey or not. And that's really, that's what I can do. That's what I can handle. So, and I've learned too more and more like, the more I feel sure in that model and like the less pressure I put on myself, it's more effective for them anyway. You know, I'm no, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you or even when you're coaching people, like once they kind of get that, don't you see people see a difference? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in coaching, it's the same as in photography. Like a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves as photographers to be like, I have to deliver within two weeks or I have to get their wedding back to them so fast or I have to get them a sneak peek the first day. All of those things are just expectations that you put on your client and on yourself by communicating those things instead of like you could just communicate something different. I, you know, I tell people eight weeks, they get their photos in eight weeks and that gives me the margin to have a really bad week to, you know, be sick for a week, which for some reason I'm getting sick every time I travel now. So like I build in a week because I'm going to get sick, you know, like there's going to be something and, and it prevents this backward spiral of, well, now I'm behind on my editing and I, and now I'm letting people down or, you know, now I'm doing all these things just because you built in that space and, Yeah, it's the same with running a coaching business or coaching people is I, you know, if I'm anxious and I'm like, this person has to get results tomorrow, it's like putting pressure on your kid to learn how to read in a week, you know, like they're stressed, I'm stressed, no one's learning, you know, like creating that expectation of like, there is plenty of space to learn what you need to learn in the time that you need to learn it. There's no end date on when this is going to apply and get you results. Like let it, let it breathe a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I, I put those expectations on myself of like, I'm either going to pass this or I'm going to fail it. I have to always remind myself. And I mean, clients too, like this isn't a pass or fail space. Like we're just continuously growing and yeah, there's nothing wrong with telling people like, this is my capacity Cause when you are, I mean, when you're setting boundaries with clients, you're honestly being like, this is what I can do for you. And most people don't care. They don't. And the ones that do care aren't for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's okay. Totally. Yeah. And learning those, learning those boundaries and to communicate them and, and learning, learning and admitting your own limits. I think having any kind of chronic illness or anxiety or depression, it really makes you look at like, where are some of my limitations that Mm -hmm. I want to build into my business too, or just be like, I, I can't work in these hours of the day, or I, I don't do as well then. So maybe let's not try to do 6am meetings. Let's try to do most of our work in the afternoon, you know? Oh yeah. There. Okay. So I saw something last night of someone talking about like their new morning routine. <laughs> something I hate about social media is people being like, I started waking up at 5 a.m. I've <laughs> added two hours to my day. I drink 40 ounces of lemon water. Like there's so, and I like see those things and I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should be doing that. And then I'll be like, no, like I don't, fu- like I can't function. And that's okay. Like that's fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And if that works for you, that's amazing. I have never been a great morning person or do well on super strict routines and have to let things flow a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And well, one thing that has been a blessing and a curse, because I, I want to talk more about boundaries and things that you've set or systems you've set that have helped you thrive. But one thing that's been a blessing and a curse for me has been like 
scheduling software. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, I can schedule it. I can be like, block off these days, work only on these days. But I also have kind of outsourced my scheduling to a computer that doesn't always take into account like, tomorrow I might not feel well and I won't know that two weeks in advance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I can set my boundaries, but it also books me on days where it wouldn't know that I need a human day, you yeah. know? So I'm learning some different things to do with scheduling software because in so many ways it has helped a ton. It can just be like, you know, here's the times I'm available. I'm not, I never work after two because I pick up my kid. I never work on Fridays because that's my off day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that you've really found that has helped, helped you enforce some boundaries or helped kind of make it easier on you? Yeah, I've definitely. So I would watch like, Cause I have, you know, like hourly scheduling with my business and like communication tools that are like, I use a not, not it's similar to Slack, like with my team. And so I, um, don't look as much. I put my phone on do not disturb way more. And then now when I'm working with like coaching, consulting clients, I have very limited time that I'm available. And so I'll be like, this is when it's bookable. This is when it's not. I'll get back to you within 48 hours on business days only. And so I just keep scaling that back, 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 back based on what I think I need. And it's really like, I put so much pressure on myself to just constantly respond. And I just am am getting better and better at it, but just like giving things more breathing room. And I have, you know, a calendar where people can book consults with me or I can like I have one for my podcast where people can book a podcast and I've way limited those hours so much and if I have to change it just if that like shame or anxiety comes up for me like acknowledging it like I see you (laughs) I'm not listening and I'm going to just reschedule and if that person gets upset about it they do and if they don't like we have a great coffee in a week and not today Totally. What do you do on days? Like, let's say you're scheduled and you're like, I don't feel good. And like, I really need this day, but it's, it's busy. Like, how do you handle that? It depends on the day. Cause honestly, I probably power through a lot of it and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better about that. You know, there were times where I was sick or something just wasn't good. And I was like, let's just I have my VA who is amazing just reach out and help people reschedule. Like I had a meeting and it ended up being in the hospital that day and just had to be like, I am so sorry. Here's some options. We have to reschedule. But honestly, it's very hard for me. It's hard for me to feel like I'm letting someone down. Even like I'm in the hospital and coordinating who's going to take my place. Like I broke my hand a couple summers ago and had a photo shoot the next day. And, you know, I'm in there calling all my peers, trying to find someone to fill in for me for the photo shoot as I'm like laying there with blood all over my face. It's just, I think it's like the both and because I do really care and I'm going to find people to fill in for me when I can. And, you know, I should be able to have a day in the hospital without working. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. And I, I mean, no, I know I've like had my phone till the second anesthesia takes me in, you know, where I'm just like, Hey, I was like getting messages. I remember like waiting to go into surgery like last summer and I was getting messages and I just kept answering. And then I was like, actually, you know what? I'm about to be wheeled into surgery. So like, I'm not going to be able to talk for a while. And everybody was like, oh my God, like, why do you even have your phone on you? Like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you just say it and like, turn it off? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm learning. Sorry. I will say if you're listening to this and you don't have a VA yet, and you're starting to feel some pressure of having a lot on your plate, get a freaking VA. That has changed my life so much. Jen Madigan Creative is my VA She and executive assistant and does all kinds of things behind the scenes and is also an awesome friend. So 
having her there where I can be like, Jen, I'm in the hospital, you know, like, yeah, can you please find, you know, can you please reschedule this for me or reach out to this person? Cause I never want to just go MIA and people to be like, I don't understand where Kristen went, you know? Yeah. No, that's awful. Important to me. So yeah. Yeah. So you have a team, my VA. I have a manager. Yeah. And she's incredible. And this last year too had to be like, I want you to feel empowered. So like, if you can't talk to me, like out of the height of the moment, like having those preventative conversations being like, if you can't get to me or if this situation comes up, how would you deal with it? And then like, let's have some language around it and then just like go and then tell me about it later. Yeah. Fine. And the other thing I want to hear what you think about this too, but the other thing that has come in handy so many times, especially as, as somewhat more of a solo entrepreneur, I can't necessarily have just anyone fill in for me if I end up in the hospital before a wedding. Like it can only be someone with very similar level experience, level of pricing, level of work, you know, like mm-hmm. having a network of people who are supportive, who are talented, who are kind, like make friends with your quote unquote competition because hundred percent you yeah. will need them and they will need you. Oh yeah. One of the things that when I first came into ownership with my business partner, one of the first things that I did was reach out to people that made me feel uncomfortable. Like they were my competition and have coffee with them. And I was like, there's enough people to go around we probably are people aren't even the same as like who your people are. And like even other coaches, like even if I'm like, we kind of talk to the same person, I'm like, who cares? Like we need, <laughs> we need to know each other because someone's there's going to be a day where you're going to be like, you actually need to go there or I need, I need help here. Help me. Or, I mean, I run into situations where I'm like, this person's worked for you and now they're applying to work for me. I need to know what's going on yeah. or like, I need to know more about them. And is this a good choice? And what do you really think? Those relationships, like I wouldn't trade them for anything. They're so amazing. It's the same with clients too. Like if there's a client hopping around a bunch of coaches being able to be like, what's going on here, you know, really valuable. And I mean, same with photography. I think it's same with anything. Like if I joke that every photographer knows when a couple reaches out to like 20 of us, I'm like, we all know you're talking to all 20 of us. Like yes. you, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, yes. With clients, like I've had to be like, some people I've been like, you actually need this person. I would love to help you, but actually this person's more well-versed in what you're looking for, for your business. Or even like having to fire some clients and then like warn of and be like, hey, if you hear about this or this person's like coming, just like heads up, here's what the story is. Like you can only have those conversations when you have relationships with people. So I always, I mean, with my clients, I'm like, find someone that makes you afraid that might be your direct competitor and like close to you and like hang out buy them a glass of wine, like go get a coffee, whatever. Yeah. Feel the discomfort and see if it's a good thing, you know? Totally. Yeah, I agree. And like build those relationships. Like there are things that I would do for some of my close peer photography friends that I might not do for everybody, but it's like we have each other's backs and it's Mm -hmm. important to have those people where you have their back too. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I've tried to do that. So in like the beauty world, even though people are working together, it's usually very solo minded because people usually like leave and bring like take their clients with them and people don't like to share. Right. Or they'll be like, Oh, I don't want to steal your client. And that there's a lot of people that feel that like they don't want to like the clients will not want to like ruffle feathers or like, anything like that. And it's something that I had to do being sick a lot, but something that I've tried to lead by example for my team is like, this is empowering for you. 
Like you should be able to go on vacation. You should be not worried about a sick day and know that your peers, they're going to take great care of your people and like make your life better. Don't do that to yourself or to your clients. Number one, it feels gross. People can feel that energy, but also just like accept it. Like you're, it'll, you'll grow. You'll just keep growing. There's enough to go around. So what if someone likes the way that like that person does it better? Like, and it's fine. You'll just get someone else. It's okay. Exactly. So, and that's, I mean, saved my butt when I had to be out for like, you know, six weeks at a time or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm not losing these clients, the right yeah, ones or, back. Yeah. And just being like, oh, I have the opportunity to help other people grow. That's so great. You know, good for them. <laughs> like it's awesome. Well, what are some either activities that help you feel more open or reduce your stress or self-care things that you think everyone should do, whether or not they have an extreme illness or just, you know, struggle with the day-to-day stresses of, of the world? Like, what do you think every business owner should do? This is something I'm trying to continue to practice. It's been a little like on and off with like my health stuff, but I try to like walk regularly. I know that you do too, but the, I remember talking with a friend who's a therapist and I've done like EMDR and brain spotting and all kinds of stuff. And she was talking to me about just how good it is for your brain. Like you, you'll get that like rhythmic, it's almost like tapping and things like that where it'll help with your neuroplasticity. And so like walking quietly or listening to like something without words and just really trying to like get my body to relax and just have that rhythm of like connecting with just myself is really, really important. So sometimes I'll like, if it's especially a busy week, like I'll just like schedule block my calendar and be like, I'm walking, walking. I'm going to go for a little while and it's just what it needs to be. So that's, I feel like the most practical thing I try to do. On a it seems like basis. such a simple underrated thing, but multiple times I've joked, I've done all these things. I've traveled all these places, but is the key to happiness just a daily walk in the sunshine? And sometimes I think it makes a bigger difference for yeah. me than a lot of things. Well, and even when I have traveled anywhere I go, my favorite things about it usually have to do with a walk. Like, I'm like, oh, I wandered around this area of town or like I went on a walk here and maybe like I got a good coffee or like I had a good meal, but it was always like the walk that makes me feel like connected and grounded, like wherever I am. It's so simple. It's so funny to me. (laughs) I agree though. Like yesterday, Andrew and I were in a fight. I was frustrated about something. I was like, I am walking until I feel better. (laughs) So went out of the house with my headphones and my walking shoes I was gone for four hours like I walked for a very long time (laughs) because I was like I'm not going home until I feel better (laughs) yeah well and it's true though like if the more we learn too with neuroplasticity like if, if you feel like I need to be gone and this needs to resolve somehow like it'll usually happen or you'll feel like less isolated and probably sleep better because you oh, yeah. probably got a lot of miles in, you know? For sure. This is a little bit of a sidestep too, but I always think it's so interesting. Again, the role that stress plays in how we feel and in illness and in our businesses in general happiness. And then mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting when we make different choices that either add or eliminate stress from our life, things can so drastically change. So just like an example, one of the choices that I made that really helped manage my illness was leaving a relationship. And it was just Mm -hmm. like a ton of the symptoms went away. A lot of the stress, a lot of that, even some of the dietary things I had to do for years, I didn't have to do anymore. And like, no doctor would look at me and be like, this makes sense. Like you definitely, you know, you're not crazy, Kristen, but I have shared it with other friends. I've posted it on Facebook and get so many stories that are similar to that from people leaving jobs and having a bunch of their symptoms get better, 
human relationships there, you know, symptoms get better. Have you experienced anything like that? Like when either leaving some kind of work environment or a job or relationship that helped manage any of your symptoms, or do you think there's any connection to any of that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So growing up, I was always like pretty sick and towards the end of my time, like living at home, I just was dealing with constant like GI issues and crippling anxiety and like also going through some pretty intense treatment for endometriosis. I was on like this round of drugs that's like similar to chemo. It's like used for hormonal cancers and stuff. And so I was like dealing with all of that, having all of these problems and I moved out and I was like, immediately on this trajectory where I was like, just healthier, 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 like the more time I got away from that. And then there was a job I had in my late 20s that was someone else's dream job. Like it was a very, it was very like cool. You know, I was like in rooms with cool people and I could like talk about it. And it was like a cool industry. But the stress level was so high and you had to be on and online all the time. And I just was like, I just felt sick. Like I just felt sick and I just kept getting sick and not sleeping. And I just was like, what? I'm like, never, li- I'm never living like this again. Like I just won't do it. So I don't need, like, I don't need to read your email at three in the morning, you know, like I'm not going <laughs> to not doing that again. And so And there were some relationships tied up in that too, that had a lot of expectations. Like this is just the way this industry is, this is how we work. And I just had to, I had to walk away. And then again, had a period of time where I felt really well, I felt really good. So. It's so wild to me how a lot of those things are connected. And, you know, I feel like my encouragement to people who are freelancers or run their own businesses we have a lot more control over the environment that we're creating for ourselves than we think we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the environment we're creating for ourselves has a lot more impact on us than we think it does. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Something. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever dealt with this and it's something I'm, I've learned about myself looking into my past, but there were moments where I had relational conflict that I knew was causing issues with my body, but it was easier to say I was sick and like go to bed or like be like, I just don't feel well than to actually deal with the conflict in the relationship. Totally. Which is like, like that's so messed up. I should just deal with the conflict because it's all making me sicker, but it was just easier to be like, I just really don't feel well today rather than be like, I just don't want to be around you anymore forever. Yeah. I love life. I really, I think we're going to see more and more research come out about just how impactful stress is on our bodies. Yeah. And it's not just this thing that doctors can say that makes us feel like they don't care about our symptoms. It's actually going to be proven, you know, like, Hey, mm-hmm. here's, here's the ways that this actually creates illness in your body. Oh yeah. And I would say the last probably three years, like most practitioners I've seen, a few of them have gone to more private pay that were in traditional settings and have been like, it's because I want to address my patients as a whole person. And so I have now like care with also someone referring me to like a trauma therapist or like giving me a more variety and then asking me regularly about my stress level and like when I notice things are inflamed. And I just I mean, I've still had some bad experiences too, but I'm just so grateful that those questions are even being asked. And there's way more like, and I, in my area, and I don't know for other people, but there's like a lot of trauma informed clinicians now as like more than I feel like there ever has been, which is, I'm like, I feel like people are trying harder. I hope so. I also feel like we're not putting up with that anymore. We're like, figure it out, (laughs) please. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for joining me tonight and for sharing your story. And if you've been tuning in and listening, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. If you related at all to anything that we talked about tonight, we would always love to hear from you. 
I'm on Instagram at Kristen Sweeting and Lauren is on Instagram. I'll let you share what it is. So I'm under the ownership mindset. And we would love to hear from you. Share your story. If you either left or started your business due to health or stress or anything like that. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that listens. If you are struggling with being overworked, overwhelmed, and seeing it affect your team, your stress level, and your bottom line, head over to theownershipmindset.com. I offer a free training and a link for us to connect and talk about your business. My favorite thing to do is help women transform their businesses by getting themselves unstuck, profitable, and reconnected with their passion of why they even started this in the first place. Subscribe to get the next episode when it drops, and I'll see you next time here on The Ownership Mindset.